This podcast is part of the A3K Network. For more information, visit www.anime3000.com. Warning. The views and opinions expressed by this producer are not necessarily the views and opinions expressed by Anime 3000, its producers, partners, or affiliates. Listener discretion is advised. Side. We review it so you don't have to watch this shit. I'm Cody Byer. I'm Max Vader. I'm Andrew Erickson. And my co-hosts are thoroughly broken today, ladies and gentlemen, because they had to sit through the horror of today's topic. The final bit on our little exploration of Channel Awesome and that guy with the glasses. Before we get into it, I want to get our last uh, good show on that network out of the way. The last recommendation. Recently, uh, that guy with the glasses picked up Thug Notes, which is a YouTube series been around for a while. Basically, you have this black guy like playing as if he's a ghetto thug gangster, and this is, listen to how white I am with my hard R on gangster, gangsta, and he basically discusses discusses classical literature, goes over the plot, goes over the themes and 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 the um, deeper meanings within the narrative, all as this. Ghetto-ass thug motherfucker. So in no relation to Death Note? <laughs> no. <laughs> you write someone's name and all of a sudden they start speaking Ebonics and listening to rap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is actually a pretty good one. I mean, I guess this doesn't count too much. This was around way like for a long time and pretty separate from Channel Awesome, and I doubt he's ever going to have crossovers with anybody, and I doubt they're ever going to cross over with him, and it's now the most professionally produced thing on the site. Also, another one I forgot to mention before is Ed Glazer. I do like his stuff. Uh, he's he's a nice guy. He's a decent guy. He makes some interesting stuff, like uh, Deja Vu, where he kind of just does little overviews of uh, like knockoffs, like foreign knockoffs. And then he did that video game parody movie, Press Start. It's pretty funny. He did the uh, Flash series. It was Italian press start adventures. Not again, not a laugh riot, but pretty funny. The the main draw is definitely the villain. Um, yeah, so Ed Glazer is good too. So that's all our that's the last of our recommendations for these episodes. Now we can get into the, the nitty gritty. On on every, every year on the Sice anniversary, they decide to have a, an, an anniversary special, and apparently the people at that guy with the glasses hate you. And want you to be miserable. That is the only explanation for the content of these anniversary specials. These are maybe the worst thing ever. Perhaps. Here's the thing, though. It starts like it starts harmless, and then it gets worse and worse. Like in the first anniversary special, it was a brawl with uh, the angry video game nerd, and it was dumb but harmless. It was ultimately just the culmination of the circle jerk they had been going on anyway. Yeah, it's just everybody got together and play fighted, play fought. What the hell's wrong with me? Did I just say fighted? <laughs> oh this is God. what these things are doing to us. <laughs> play fought, and it, again, it was just nothing. Had one or two funny bits, but it was just stupid and pandery and circled your and bleh. And led to a whole bunch of crossover episodes. Yeah. Uh, then we had the two-year anniversary, and now that guy with the glasses starts getting a little too big for its britches, and the, uh, the disaster begins. Indeed. Fucking kick-assia. Basically, 
Doug Walker was so enamored with the fact that there is a one house nation called Malasia, which is a sovereign nation. It's just one house big, one house wide. It's like this guy's property is its own sovereign nation, basically. And so they went there and filmed a movie where they take over Malasia and rename it Kickassia, and there's drama and, and goofiness, and they have a they they fight in the desert. And this this quote unquote film was marred with problems. Uh, I, I I wish we had brought Leanne on because when I told her part of this, she flipped her shit. <laughs> Like surprisingly, got like angrier than I expected, um, and it was very, it was highly entertaining. This production was a disaster. They had they they flew everybody into this into like the middle of the fucking desert. Because Malasia's in Arizona, right? Right. Yeah. Um. Well, these guys, you know, they do get paid. For their videos, so by flying out and doing this thing, they're missing out. They're missing money, basically. They're losing money. Um, they're given no compensation. I don't believe that any of them were paid for this. Uh, kind of makes you wonder where the fuck the budget went then, because after all, the entire thing cost over ten thousand dollars to make, apparently. Well, like they they had to have uh, the Snodge Critics M Bison costume custom made. Of course. Mm. But, uh... Which is surprising, given how cheap it looked. <laughs> it, it... This was pretty fucking bad. Pretty fucking bad. I, I like the fact that this was sort of the culmination of why, like, if you hate any reviewer on the site, Kickassia will highlight, like... One of their most obnoxious features. Like, yeah. I dare you to watch Kick Assy and not want to punch Film Brain in his nose. Mm. Um, yeah, like Angry Joe waving guns around, making faces and screaming like a retard. Spoonie playing Doctor Insano. Film Brain existing. And of course, you have some wonderful commentary from uh, the Nostalgia Chick by her doing basically doing a Sarah, Sarah Palin impression. Very topical, considering that people had gotten tired of Sarah Palin impressions about a year before this hit. I mean, this was essentially doing Chuck Norris jokes in 2010. It was the equivalent of that. People got tired of Sarah Palin impressions even faster than they got tired of Sarah Palin. Yeah, and that says something. Uh... But that, they had the worst channel awesome character, Santa Christ. Yeah. Oh God. And the one funny joke in the whole thing, they took out. <laughs> like they noticed, like, oh shit, that's actually funny. We no, take that out. And for those who don't know it, it was um, Santa Christ had to get, like shot dead or some shit, and they had to get revived by everyone saying, "I believe in Santa Christ." And then it got to Jew Wario, and he said, "Like I actually don't believe in Santa Christ." <laughs> and they t- that the one good joke, and they took it the fuck out because they were scared they might Why? offend them. They were scared they might offend someone. That's offensive. That's a little much. Uh... I mean, for God's sakes, they've got a fucking caricature liberal on their fucking payroll. You don't think they're going to be fucking pansies? His name um, is Jew Wario. Why would you not do it? How can this not be true by definition? My God. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, like, that's that's actually that's like the equivalent of I don't know, like having a Muslim on there and then like him saying, having him say, "I believe in Santa Christ." Or even, even if they're worried about offending people, just explain it by saying, you know, he's Wario, he's too greedy to believe in the Christmas spirit or something. <laughs> yeah, it's... I, but then it'd be like, oh, you're saying Jews are misers. I mean, look at that fucking shit with, like, Steve Martin made some innocuous, like, black joke. It was barely a black joke on Twitter, and he had to apologize. Of course, Steve Martin's become a bit of an, uh, bit of a, well, nostalgia chick himself, so... In recent years, so of course he apologized. Like I did some thinking, and I realized that was an inappropriate thing to say. And I miss the wild and crazy guy. No wonder they kicked Spoonie off the site for one joke on Twitter. Yeah. It. Well, again, they didn't kick him off, but they basically forced him off. Uh, kick ass, he was bad. And like this is the thing that sent Leanne over the edge. Uh, they were they were. Basically, it was a horrible uh, affair to work at, and you know they like you had to wake up at ungodly hours and trek out in the hot desert. And what drove Leanne over the edge was they did not supply anybody with water. No way. Apparently, giving people water in the desert wasn't in the budget. They can't be that stupid. Oh, Andrew, that's adorable. Seriously, where the fuck did that all that money go? Hookers and blow. That's where the money must have gone. Apparently. I mean, it's, and I wouldn't even begrudge him for it at that much. I mean, have you seen Doug Walker's wife? <laughs> I mean, God. But, yeah, I, I, I honestly cannot fathom where the money did go because look, look at the – they didn't even give anybody work. Like, uh, on the first day, fucking Lord Cat broke his ankle. Yeah, that that's like another thing with with Kickassia where where like the one of the initial problems came from. It's like you're filming a movie in the desert with a bunch of fucking nerds who are so out of shape that the mere act of running is hazardous to their health. Literally, because again, that's what caused Lord Cat to break his ankle. They were running. But, uh, Doesn't just that happen to you? Like you're trying to, I don't know, like catch a train or something and you're running after it and suddenly oh god i broke my leg how did that happen <laughs> physical activity my one weakness it's, it's like what like is, is he so heavy that he cracks the ground when he like stomps his foot and then sunk into the ground and broke his ankle that way or something i i honestly don't know he like fe- i think he like tripped and fell Although, I don't know what you trip and fall over to break your ankle in the damn desert, but... Yeah, not to mention there's sand. Sand is soft. Well... Disregarding that. Not not American deserts. They're thinking Sahara. American deserts, it's very... Rocky. Yeah. Yeah, well... But... You know, I would have I loved to have seen Sean Faust do this. I think he was in it for a bit. I don't think they flew him out to the desert because I don't think nah, he fit into he a had, plane. He had a short cameo, but but I mean like him running in the desert and whatever. <laughs> you just know if he had if he had done that. If he had done that, we'd have two end Grand Canyons. The would have been like in loving memory, and he goes, <laughs> no. If he had done that, we'd have two Grand Canyons here in America. <laughs> <laughs> 
It'd be like that final battle in Twilight where the the fucking brown vampire hits the ground and makes a fucking chasm. Except with Sean, it'd just be like us. He'd take one running step and and just keeps on fucking opening. Just keeps on fucking opening. Um, what got heart attack on? <laughs> he has another heart attack. See, a kick-assia was garbage. It's like the troubled production of a Francis Ford Coppola movie without the actual results. <laughs> uh, no, you like, know what? It's like fate itself was conspiring to re- prevent this quote-unquote movie from being made, <laughs> but it was still getting made. No, I'll give Kickassia one thing. It did keep one bit I found funny. There was this reviewer that apparently isn't on anymore. I free, I don't even remember his name, but he would he would instead of like videotaping himself, he would do it entirely his bits in still photos, which was kind of a cute gimmick. Uh, and so when he appeared in this, it was all still photos of him like pasted onto the footage, which was kind of funny. But not like laugh out laughing. But then near the end, he gets hit with something that actually that turns him 3D, and he's basically there, and he's just like spends the rest of the time just he, he gets distracted in the middle of this fight and just keeps admiring himself and the fact that he's in 3D. And I thought that was kind of funny. So that's what that guy's deal was. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that was the guy who uh, who fapped all over Onichanbara. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it, it, I like the gimmick. It was different, and I thought that bit was kind of funny. Not laugh out loud. The obviously the Jew warrior thing was the funniest thing in there, which is why they had to cut it. But it was, it was still pretty bad. And next came what was it? Suburban Nights was the next feature. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, that that's where the fucking thing really went horrible. It's like. If you look at the anniversary specials, you can see sort of a progression from meh to horrible to even worse to what we'll be getting soon, which is basically like Hitler reincarnated. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Suburban Nights. Really, you can really judge the progression by how long they are, because the brawl oh, yeah. is like, what, half an hour? Yeah, about that. Then Kigassia was one and a half hours, Suburban Nights was two hours, and the last one was three and a half. Awesome. So, yeah, the premise of Suburban Nights is... Uh, they LARP. Yeah, they LARP. No, really. Like, <laughs> all of them fucking LARP. And there's absolutely no consistency whatsoever. Like, the characters that they dress as are completely random. There's not even a vague hint of a theme here. Like, for example, the Nostalgia Critic dresses as Link. Uh, Nostalgia Chick is, I don't know, like, Disney Princess or whatever the fuck. But that's sexist. Nostalgia Chick! <laughs> You're <laughs> subverting Spo- your message! Yes. Spoonie is Gandalf. Uh, some other cunt is uh, Princess Mononoke. And... Uh, it was terrible. Brad is Indiana Jones. And oh, yeah, Monty yeah. is there for no reason. Because yeah, what, who told Doug Walker that his little Monty routine is the funniest thing in the world? Who? Who is the liar we have to blame for this? Because he keeps shoehorning Monty into shit. Monty is not nor was never funny. Exactly. It's probably Scarlet's idea. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> 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 
It all goes back to Scarlet. Somehow. She's putting fluoride in the water. But, uh, yeah, this is... Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty awful. Like, at least, like, Brad Jones had, like, one kind of amusing line. Uh, when he was asked, like, uh, we're, after, we're doing, like, completely fictional character. We're doing, like, complete fiction. Why the hell are you dressed as Indiana Jones? Isn't that, like, more, you know, realistic fiction? And, like, Brad Jones answers him, like, tell me some guy surviving a nuke in a fridge doesn't qualify as fiction. I think you mean, I think it was fantasy. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah fantasy. That that was the supposed theme, anyway. Not that they had any ability of following it. Mm. And yeah, it's like, and there was this long running gag with one angry Joe playing Inigo Montaya and constantly getting the line wrong. You know, the one with "You killed my father," blah blah blah. And he uh, he said like, "You killed my mother. You killed my lawyer." And like, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, Angry Joe, at, did anyone tell you at some point that that's not funny? No. That doesn't sound like it was ever funny. You killed my lawyer. Oh, whoops. That's the wrong urge, Joe. Go, oh, you're goofy. What? Yeah, and instead of using a sword, he uses a machine gun. Are you laughing yet? All the funnies, my man. All the funnies. Yeah, and and then there was like this this constant bickering between Film Brain and some other guy because both of them had a Harry Potter costume and were therefore jealous of me uh, all of each other. Oh, oh God, I can't contain all of these laughs. Yeah, and and then like the the two had like an extended conversation about peace, and the entire point of that conversation was that the other guy was fucking with Film Brain uh, because he described himself as having, like, I don't know, like, absorbed the essence of peace themselves. So uh, then Film Brain, like, loudly said to him, then I will eat your penis. And everyone else was just looking at him. And that's oh, the joke. Oh, boy! Oh. See, it's funny because it sounds like penis. It's a long way for a dick joke. Yeah, I know. I want to point out all these anniversary specials are written by uh, Doug Walker, which uh, demonstrates the fact that Doug Walker should never write. Yeah. Uh, it's especially the role that he gave Phalus. Which one was that? Uh, he had Phalus play the character of the so-called Rockbiter. And the the shtick that he gave him was basically that Phalus was completely insane and psychopathic and constantly talked to action figures. And it was supposed to be hilarious because he was creeping other people out, but it just made me want to stab him with a knife. Oh, oh, did they give, did they mug when he did things like, oh boy, this guy's weird, we're looking at each other, like, what's up with this guy? Of course. <laughs> Hack. I really wouldn't have guessed that only Doug Walker wrote these. I thought that with all the cameos and stuff that it must have been a group effort. Yeah, yeah, you'd think like in the credits you'd see something like co-written by Satan or whatever. <laughs> co-written by Dr. Faggot. <laughs> oh, Dr. Faggot, you're ready to write another script? Oh my! We gonna write something good! I got nothing. How about how about he plays with toys and everybody go? What is up with this guy? 
talking to talk. Dr. Faggot, you've done it again. Dr. Abbott's less politically correct cousin. <laughs> Dr. Faggot. Dr. Uh, Faggot, uh, you think we should use Dr. Insano? Use him? Let's make him one of the main characters! <laughs> oh, Dr. Faggot, you're like a well of information and creativity. Oh, yeah, that was, that was actually something we haven't mentioned about Kick-Assy. I liked it. Dr. Insano was one of the main <laughs> characters. Because Spoonie had to turn to his dark side to defeat the evil nostalgia critic who went mad with power. Incidentally, that just reminds me of the third mildly, very mildly amusing line, but only to the low standards of the fucking thing. Brad Jones at one point said to the nostalgia critic, you really put the dick in dictator. Yeah, it was a, a funny line in an anniversary special is like looking for something, if you're stuck listening to an insane clown posse album and you're looking for something positive to say. <laughs> Much. They got some good beats sometimes. Occasionally. That chorus was okay. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's it's like when you're listening to the Miracle song. Like the beat is good. They only talked about about getting their nuts sucked by underage girls ten times in this song. <laughs> and then lament the death of children in the next one. <laughs> But, yep, indeed. Mm. Uh, but yeah, right, so Suburban Nights. Um, so essentially, like, the plot is that, I don't know, like, the nostalgia critic wants to fight, uh, find awesome treasures, so in order to do that, like, he has everyone dressed in ridiculous costumes, because that's the way you do that, apparently. <laughs> I guess. How are you going to get treasure? Yeah, I guess he's using the Final Fantasy XIII method. <laughs> But, you think it's uh, 10 too. Or that, yeah. But so, yeah, so everyone dresses like a retard and then they head out in the woods because that's easier to film. Because they just go in the, pretty much like in the surrounding area of Doug Walker's house. <laughs> and the plot of the entire thing, and aren't you excited yet if you hear that there's an actual plot? Oh the plot is that they're looking for this magic gauntlet. And you know what that gauntlet is? The power glove, isn't it? Yeah. It is the power glove. Well, I'm done with this earth. See? I haven't even seen Suburban Nights, and I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like the way that it, the way that they explain it is well, we only learn the backstory of the entire thing in the last part, so I'll get to that later. So the <coughs> villains, the villains are well, I won't beat around the bush here. They're the Ring Wraith. Except uh, all of different sizes and not intimidating. And, yeah, it's just guys in black cloaks. Wasn't there some melodramatic Final Fantasy wannabe motherfucker in there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was also that guy who had also played the angel in that wonderful life montage. Uh, the dude who looked vaguely like, I don't know, like Indian or whatever. Is uh, he, the guy who plays Mati? Uh, no, not that guy. Uh. The, the guy with, like, the, the braids and, and that. Doug Walker knows a lot of brown people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so that dude is, like, the main villain of the entire thing. And when fair, he, first... he also knows a lot of pasty white people. <laughs> he keeps it diverse. Yeah, and when we first see him, he's introduced 
by uh, walking down the, the walking down the road essentially and then destroying a car. And uh, he is dressed basically in this Matrix-esque coat and wearing sunglasses. Because you know that's Mr. Really- Anderson. What are you doing in this gay movie? <laughs> exactly. Except as... Oh, I have to start calling things gay now because those stupid commercials are back. And as you know, it is my conviction to, like, say gay because of those commercials. For those who don't know, like Max, because you're in another country, in America there are these goofy uh, public service announcement ads where they, they, like, fucking irrelevant young, uh, teeny bopper pop stars tell you not to use the word gay. Why? Because that's a, that offends gay people, apparently. You're demeaning them. You're ruining mm. the integrity of the Flintstones theme song. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else are you supposed to say instead of gay? Well, I don't know, but you're not supposed to say gay. So I, I, I have made it a mission that when those commercials air... I must say gay more because I hate them so much. I feel like they need to be failing. I need to make sure they fail. So I invite all our, list, all our listeners to just call shit gay. In fact, say in the comments, tell me how gay you think these anniversary specials are. They're so fucking gay. Aren't they gay, guys? They're gay. They're so, they're so fucking gay. And, oh, and the, one of the worst things about the commercials is the way they do it because it's like... Uh, like, two girls will be in, like, blue shirts and be like, yeah, I didn't do that. I was so gay. That was, you know, I was so gay. And then, like, fucking Mandy Moore or someone you forgot, you thought was dead because you hadn't heard from in years will walk up and be like, fucking, oh, that's so girl in a blue shirt. What? Oh, yeah, didn't you know? That's what everybody says in something stupid. They say it's so girl in a blue shirt. And it's like, when you say that's so gay, you're demeaning an entire group of people. That doesn't even make sense. I know, it's, it's incredibly stupid. Like, they, they're, they're like one of the worst message ads I've ever seen, so oh. it's my conviction that one, that now that they're back, I'm back to calling things gay as much as possible. And I invite my listeners and our listeners and you guys to join me. Speaking of gay, Anime News Network. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, anyway, I Suburban Nights. So yeah, so Suburban Nights. Yeah, Suburban Nights uh, is so gay, too. Yeah, indeed. So, like, the, the main villain is, like, this guy in a, in a trench coat with sunglasses, and he's, like, being so badass, you guys, because, like, he walks slowly and talks in a low voice. And he's, like, unfazed by everything. And it's, like, so badass. And, uh, yeah. So, at the end, uh, when, they, anime. when they, when they finally find the fucking power glove, which has a, a cheap ass, not even shining uh, wannabe gem glued onto it. <laughs> we finally learn the backstory of the entire thing, and the backstory is uh, mind-boggling. The idea is basically this: like in the past, like in the Middle Ages or whatever, there was like this alchemist and. Uh, he had um, he had created like a like a like a like in the Middle Ages there was like magic basically, and he had created like a like a gem that basically channeled the power of magic uh, at the behest of some king or whatever. And like his best friend was more of an inventor. And get this, 
Like his inventor body basically like had a falling out with him because he didn't like magic. And so he created like uh, also a gem that would channel the power of technology. How does that work? Can you count how many things are wrong with this? How does that work? How is that in itself not magic? Exactly. Because we see this gauntlet in action and it is essentially magic. Which is retarded. And, and that's not even one of the most retarded parts. Like, one of the most retarded parts is the fact, like, if this guy really was, like, this scientist, inventor, or whatever the fuck, and magic existed, then, of course, due to the fact that magic exists, it kind of falls into the realm of science. So why, why wouldn't he try to research this? Instead of just going, oh, magic doesn't fit in my rationality. Yeah, I mean, like, magic is, is also per definition, like, doing a certain something in order to achieve a result. Like, how is this not different from any other cause and effect relation? Why wouldn't you want to research this instead of trying to, like, make it disappear or whatever the fuck? You honestly think Doug Walker has educated in any way about this kind of thing and he just doesn't see, like, like, technology is machines, magic is twinkly, twinkly, poof! You you can see this in real life, though, like, Modern chemistry comes from alchemy, from people trying to do magic. And, like, you can separate the two in terms of, like, physical versus some kind of, uh, uh, un... well, not unnatural, but, like, let's say a scientist who, who make, who achieves the... You know what? Why am I fucking explaining this? Blaze Blue did it. We all know... Kokonoe, she won't use magic even though she has it because she has issues with it. So she sticks to science. And there's a clear definition there. That works. It's the practices. But, you know, Doug has them like fucking their Pokemon types. It's the same shit, but it's in magic type and technology type and it's weak to Uh steal. Super effective against dragon. The the entire thing was just a fight of fairy against steel, <laughs> which is which is why technology won in the end and spread over the world because fairy can't do shit to steel. Steel, it's my favorite type, bitches. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, this is this is massively stupid, <coughs> and. Uh, yeah, so that's that's like the idea, and then the gauntlet was somehow being lost, uh, and and you like in the flashback that you see, which by the way is told by the angry video game nerd because we need more cameos. Uh, in the flashback, the gauntlet is basically just uh, shown as this stereotypical knight's gauntlet with a gem in it. So I have no idea how the fuck the gem managed to get in the power glove. And because the power hell, looks technological, and that's all they needed. It's uh, got all kinds of shit and, on and, Yeah, and how the hell the, the the dude managed to lose it, and how the hell he managed to live for that long after killing his enemy, but whatever. And at the end, he actually gets the power glove from everyone, which has just been lying in a rain in a fucking rain gutter for hundreds of years, apparently. And then when he finally uses it, the only thing that he can basically do with it is, like, do uh, green magic blasts that apparently hurt people. 
except it doesn't really. It's just we have to be told that it hurts people. And then he, you know what he says? What? You know the line. I love. I love the power. The power love, love is it's so, so bad. bad. God damn it! 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 You knew this was coming. I didn't want it to be fucking true. <sighs> oh god so and and then and then the ending happens and you know how the bad guy is defeated thanks to Marty because Marty's ring has the has the magic gemstone from the wizard in it and he defeats him with the power of heart and then he dies I am not even making this up. This and, sounds and like the, fan fiction. And then Marty, yeah, really. Then Marty has like a dramatic death scene, and everyone is really, really sad. In the ripped off street from Star Trek. Yeah. But that's the, the joke. Like the, it's, the, it's, needs, it's, the needs of the many, etc., etc. Yeah. That's the joke. It's parody. They're parodying the scene. Except not really, since they're playing it straight. Like, like, really, do you expect these guys to understand the concept of parody? Shit is just fucking dumb. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, by the way, since you since you said, like, even if you try to separate into physical and ethereal, it doesn't work because, after all, magic has to be some sort of energy, and energy per definition is physical. <coughs> so, so the entire concept of magic as as a thing that is opposed to technology is idiotic to begin with. The only reason why it existed for so long is because, well. Nobody really cared. Well, again, it, it works on if if you pull it off right. Because again, Blaze Blue did the same thing. It, but it's, yeah, it's I'm, I'm not saying you can't do it or that it's done well. It's just a thing that fundamentally, if you really think about it, it makes absolutely no sense. Well, it it, it kind of does again in how you play it. Like with with the way Blaze Blue did it, science was something that you did just through. Machinery or or a or a basic chemical reaction, whereas like ma- uh, magic was it was a manipulation through. They explain this way better in the teach me mislighty segments than I could, because they flat out explain the difference. And there was a difference between magic and sorcery, and like magic was using it was like uh, generating something from nothing. Uh. By way of, I think it was like it was using the seether in the air as like a fuel for That's it. That's not something for nothing. No, you you you're you're not turning the seether into something. The seether is giving you the energy, and this energy then creates the effect. It is not it is a 
go watch the fucking segment. They explain it. And then sorcery is flat out just being able to just fucking wave your hand and do shit. It just bends the laws of physics and reality. If you need, again, if you want to explain better, there's a whole, Blade Blue has a whole teach uh, me see, see, that's, see that's, that's, that's the issue, like logic fucks up everything. Like, if it, if you can do it, then obviously it doesn't bend the laws of reality. Well, that's not really true. I mean, the laws of re- there are laws of reality and laws of physics and all that shit. And you can introduce something, you know, otherworld, not otherworldly, but like cosmically powerful that can break or rewrite that law. I see that's the thing, though. Like, if this force exists that can rewrite laws, then if you look at the at the whole picture, then basically, like, this stuff is part of the laws of that govern reality, and therefore it is basically like part of the laws that you can change this and that with this force. Well, it's not part of the laws. That's what I'm saying. This is this is like an outside force that's being inge- injected into our physical reality and is fucking with it. It's like Lovecraft shit. It's you know, it's it's Easy concept here. Yeah, but no, no, the fact that it merely exists doesn't mean it is an outside force, because existence encompasses all. I think you're Let's you're see. high right now. I think, uh, like, I think uh, you're looking at it on different scales, like Cody's talking about an outside context problem where something shows up and humans have no frame of reference for understanding what it is or what it does. Yeah, that's true, but I was talking about the concept of the laws of nature of the universe in, two, in general, and just the fact that we can't comprehend something doesn't mean that it hasn't uh, doesn't have a, a system or a law governing it. Well, think of it, okay, let, let's, let's think of it this way. We have the law of gravity. You pick something up, you drop it because there's gravity. And you have a, a, a magical power that lets you just break that law. Just all of a sudden, I'm just living, holding gravity doesn't apply to you because magic hits you because of magic, magic spell, magic whatever. It is yeah, like breaking that, like, the, the law. Energy can suspend it and all that. But it's not suspended by anything. There's no energy that's like an invisible hand holding you up. It's just I'm fucking with time and space so that gravity doesn't apply to you, or I can I'll reverse it and you just go flying up in the air. I'm, just, I'm fucking with the laws of gravity. I'm not like grabbing you with an invisible energy hand that you can't see and yanking you up through a controlled force. I have just like r- fucking hot wired, rewired, I've hacked reality matrix shit and just done this. That's the yeah, difference. But what I mean, like in in that context, this magic would be part of reality, and so therefore, what you're mani- what you're manipulating is you're not really. Like bending anything because the possibility was allowed for in the first place. You know what? Whatever, it doesn't matter. So yeah, suburban. I think half our audience just started bleeding out of their ears. <laughs> but and now you know the reason why nobody ever bothered uh, not trying to do this whole science versus magic thing. Well, again, Blaze Blue did. Well, I get my understanding. No, I, no, I mean <clears throat> trying to not do it because the alternative would be uh, well complicated. I get my understanding of metaphysics from the U Testament, so this makes perfect sense. <laughs> Just meditate and shit happens. And Jesus is Son Goku. <laughs> but, um... Well, you see, man does not live by bread alone, but by the energy that makes it bread. Also, sitting is an offense worthy of getting crucified over. <laughs> <laughs> Historically accurate. <laughs> mm-hmm, totally. 
<laughs> so, and, and, and even that little debate we had is pretty much giving it more thought than Doug Walker, I think, is capable yeah, of giving it. Like, it's just basically wizards versus science men. Science wizards. <laughs> but, yeah. Like, appa- apparently technology is magic, too, in the world. But, yeah. <coughs> So, uh, yeah, sad scene with Mati, and the Nostalgia Critic vows to bring him back. And that was supposed to be the setup for the next anniversary special. Uh, and originally they intended to basically, like, do a Pirates vs. Zombies type thing. Because uh, let's be even hackier. Yeah, with, with Dr. Insano being the main villain and releasing, like, an ancient ghost zombie pirate from somewhere who then raises an army... Uh, oh yeah, like pirate zombies was 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 me, and then they have to fight that, and it's like about you know golden medallions and everything else we can steal from fucking pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> and <laughs> but that didn't happen. Instead, they decided to go sci-fi, and that result is what we now call Chibotle Flea, also known as Satan's anus. I think they might have referenced their original movie idea into Boldly Flea, because there's this like running joke of Cinema Snob wanting to make his own movie about zombie Confederate soldiers fighting women in bikinis. No, that's from three movies he reviewed. Oh, oh, I, I don't watch Cinema Snob, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, that was those were uh, especially the zombie Confederate soldiers because he like loved that concept. <laughs> it was like this for the goofy concept in this one movie. Zombie Confederate soldiers that rose from the grave to slaughter Actually, should have, in a cabin. I should have known that didn't originate with that guy with the glasses, because that's too interesting an idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you know, and being half the battle and all that. <laughs> so, Andrew, tell us a little bit about oh. To Boldly Flee. I, I if, if, if it won't trigger you too much, I think you might end <laughs> up having flashbacks. I'm not sure if I can give an adequate summary. Like, I I watched it just a few hours ago, but it's totally incomprehensible. I don't know who most of these people are. Well, what was the overall plot? It just... Well, it starts off with this scene directly lifted from Suburban Nights, but with, like, a filter over it, so you know it's not from... You know, so it's a flashback. And it's, it's just they play my heart will go on on the recorder. <laughs> yeah, and they have Monty's funeral. They cremate him and shoot his ashes into space in an oatmeal can. And um, I'll drop it. Yeah, then it jumps to a year later, and the nostalgia critic is having these dreams about Monty still being alive, and <clears throat> you know, he, he's concerned, so he calls. Um, Oh my I god, it's the fucking, like, Nostalgia Critic for the search for Marty. It is. But, oh, well, well, fuck I'll, you. I'll get, in, I'll get into it, because they don't do a whole lot of searching for Marty. <laughs> like, Nostalgia Critic calls, I think, Film Brain to try to get moral support, because you, you, you gotta get in those cameos early. Yeah, and... Because if I'm looking for moral support, I'll fucking call Film Brain. <laughs> of all people... And th- there's there's some guy, some nerd. I don't I don't know what he does on the site, but he's sitting on the hood of his car with a laptop open and starts getting messages from space. 
Of course. Yeah, but I'll just give it away. Basically, Mati's soul is in a plot hole in space. And then his soul... Like a literal plot hole? They call it a plot hole? Yeah, there's this swirling blue vortex in space called the plot hole. That's funny. (laughs) It's self-referential and they're also self-deprecating kind of... Where's my gun? I I assure that it wasn't just pony anus. (laughs) I don't know, was CR involved? (laughs) CR? He did familiar faces and... It was actually a pretty decent show, and he never showed his face on camera. Actually, oh. And then uh, then he discovered My Little Pony, went full on brony, stopped doing familiar faces, and started doing episode recaps and uh, examinations of My Little Pony episodes. Okay, yeah, he's in this. He spends a lot of time hanging around Yesu Otaku. Yeah. <laughs> it always comes back to that bitch. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk yeah. about her. Yeah, the the worst thing that basically happened to that guy is when he started showing his face. That was the beginning of the end. <clears throat> but in any way, Doug. Actually, I should call him nostalgia critic because Doug Walker later appears as himself in the movie. So the the nostalgia critic. Finally, and he appears as the fucking author avatar, no less. Yes. Well, I'm going to get to that. <laughs> But the nostalgia critic finds Spoonie, who has been imbued with the soul of Mati. So Spoonie, Spoonie spends most of the movie just gibbering and insane. So, that's nah, too Doctor Insano. <laughs> but Doctor Insano also appears as a separate character. Uh, because the, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the characters go to Doctor Insano because they need equipment to transform the Nostalgia Critic's house into a spaceship. So they ask him to explain the plot hole, and he says that it's like this mysterious force where the laws of reality don't make sense, which explains how he and Spoonie are separate characters now. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, oh yeah, I was just about to ask, like, it's like, what the fuck? Spoonie was Doctor Insane? Oh, God damn it! <laughs> Not anymore. You inconsistent pricks! <laughs> now they're separate, but Spoonie and Marty are the same person. Deus Ex Machina, Deus Ex Machina. Because the guy who plays Mati only appears in that initial flashback. He is nowhere else in the movie. Because he didn't want to appear anymore, I'm sure. Yeah, the the whole thing is the search for Mati, but he's not actually in it. (laughs) It was just the excuse plot. Anyway, it's hard to remember, like, what happened and when, because they would just jump to these completely unrelated scenes, and every one of them would introduce a new person. So, like, you have to... I'm kind of relying on the wiki here to recap. (laughs) But, like, Mechakara shows up and subdues Linkara, and Uh. then takes his place on the Nostalgia Critic's uh, Critic spaceship. And um, Turl from the Battlestar Galactica Review shows up, and... He testifies at some congressional panel that will ban internet reviewing. I see where this is going. Ah, baba. Um, Fuck me. Okay, you know the uh, timely sopa because that's relevant. Yeah, the timeliness of their Sarah Palin jokes. The, the central conflict of this movie is sopa. Of course. 
making a statement because we're dorks with opinions. Yeah, so Turl supports Sopa because he wants his revenge against the nostalgia critic who was then placed under house arrest. Uh-huh. And, um... Also, the the villain behind Turl is Emperor Palpatine, who is also a lobbyist for the MPAA. <sighs> Subtle! <clears throat> and Turl is working in league with a uh, like government representative named Prick, who captures Spoonie to send him to him because they want Mati's soul for some reason. His name is Prick? Yes. Subtle! At least he's not, what is it, whiny McDouchebag? Oh, yeah, douchey Mc... no, douchey McNitpick. Oh, that's right. Um, so, so anyway, the critics all join together because they have nothing better to do, and they convert Nostalgia Critic's house into a spaceship. And, um... Eight bit. that makes sense. Because I totally believe that these fucking dorks are rocket scientists. And 8-Bit Mickey kills Prick. So we're like less than an hour in, and one of the villains is already dead. So they just wait, replace wait, him wasn't, with... Wasn't Prick like one of the congressmen or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, so, so does that mean we can get Nostalgia Critic and his fellow buddies now on a watch list or something? <laughs> Didn't that make them terrorists? Yeah, kinda. Technically. But you see, they were fighting for... Internet freedom. <laughs> Do what you want, because a pirate is free. So they're freedom fighters, is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, that's a big difference. <laughs> See, they're fighting for America, so they're freedom fighters. <laughs> so one of the villains is dead, so of course they introduce a new one. Emperor Palpatine sends General Zod, played by the Nostalgia Critic, to join Turl. Oh by, my fucking god. Who, by the way, is played please, by Spoonie. Please tell me that it ends with the Nostalgia Critic <laughs> snapping Zod's neck. <laughs> Almost. Oh my fucking god. Mechakara, basically, um... You know, you know, I'll get to it. Because Mechakara is... The, the villains are Palpatine, Zod, Turl, Mechakara, the uh, prick, and later the Nostalgia Chick. There oh, are a lot wow. of villains in this. This this feels more like a fan fiction than the fucking last one. <laughs> it is. Th- these people are even their own shippers, because one of the subplots is that Todd in the Shadows keeps hitting on Obscure Slupa, but she doesn't want to be with him, because how can she feel secure with a guy who's not secure enough to show his own face? And she's he... funny, because she's actually <clears throat> undesirable. And, uh, and uh, uh, well, keeps... that is a running gag in uh, Todd's own videos, that he would harass Lupa, like, like yeah, pathetically. Yeah, but... still wasn't funny. And he mm. keeps turning down the nostalgia chick who is obsessed with him for some reason. Well, maybe it was an illusion of the fact that the two were in a thing back then. I don't know if they were or not, but possible. Either way, it's fucking dumb. And he has a horrible taste in women because of all the women on the site. He went after the most um, and, um, fucking insufferable. Yeah, and you just you just know that it wasn't meant as a joke of how <clears throat> she is. 
<laughs> so, eh, don't worry if you get me pregnant. I'll take care of that. <laughs> Falcon! <laughs> I'm not going to finish it. Bonds! <laughs> I, yeah. I don't even need to worry. It's it's not. I don't even have to worry about my insurance or anything. I don't even pay red cent. Watch this, Captain Falcon, punch! and just like ejects out of her vagina and just goes flying with a smoke trail. Hits like it was off screen. There's a splash. A score minus one. <laughs> Lost punch activate. <laughs> Has, has anyone ever done that with Captain Falcon and Control-Alt-Delete? No. If not, someone get on that. Get on that shit. Get on that shit tomorrow, yesterday, today. Get on that shit. She'll make a documentary about it, Lost.AVI. <laughs> oh, fuck. Fuck me, that was good. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, tell us more about this cinematic motion. Okay, so CR and Yasuo Taku have the same dream, and it tells them to build a machine. And while they're building it, it short-circuits and zaps Yasuo Taku, who turns into Ed from Cowboy Bebop. No! No, 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 no. Bitch does not deserve Cowboy Bebop, Nope. And See, it's funny because Yeso Otaku looks like a man. <laughs> and her idea of an Ed impression is she's constantly jittering and smiling and making these little noises. It, it's just it, annoying. What? I'm, I'm pretty sure that's autism or something. Yeah, uh, that's not even close to Ed. <laughs> well, that's, that's how she plays Ed. In, what the fuck? And her her whole role in it is that she invents things out of nowhere whenever it's convenient for the critics to need something. Did she even watch Kawa Bebop? She did, and she said that it, it's kind of overrated because some episodes are forgettable. But it's still a gateway show. If she, wow. said, if she said anything else, I'm unaware. That's all I know that she said about it. Fucking wall. <laughs> Cowboy Bebop is good, but it's no Chobits. <laughs> if she was playing a bitch in Chobits, she, she could fucking play it perfectly. Of course, you don't really need to know anything about Chobits to be able to play that bitch perfectly. You just shut up and do what you're told and say, Chi. Yeah. Chicka chick. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't even know if I want to hear any more after hearing so- that, that abortion, but... Go ahead, keep going. So, Nostalgia Chick finds out that Linkara... Speaking of abortions. She she finds out that Linkara has been uh, using the internet for something, so she confronts him, and he turns her into a Borg. Not Linkara, Mechakara, whatever. Because Linkara is, like, tied up in his home back on Earth. Uh-huh. <clears throat> this is just sounding gayer and gayer by the minute. But anyway, one of the one of the other people, like I think Luke, 
Luke are film brain, but they uh, like walk in on this and think that uh, Mecha Kara and Nostalgia Chick are having sex, so he just walks out and tells nobody. <sighs> God, like, How does that work? How is it that Doug Walker, a guy that he, that will that essentially makes a living criticizing other people's writing, is such a fucking hack writer himself? Just like in car. Yeah. Yeah, but really, I gotta ask, like, how does that work? Like, unless the scene was like totally rapey, I don't see how he could have mistaken it for them having sex. Like he he just walks up to the closed door and hears what's going on. And like there's this drill sound, but somehow he misinterprets it as I I don't know. It didn't make any sense in the movie. It... Yeah, is the drill that will pierce the hymens? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Nostalgia becomes a Borg, and her her designation is Seven of Eleven. I get uh... it. The Seven of Nine was a character in Star Trek. And Seven Eleven, that's a store. Of, oh of, co- of course, they rip off. Of course, they rip off a character of the Star Trek TV series that sucked the most. <laughs> oh my God! Except Enterprise. Guys, I think we just got hit with comedy. Hold so, on to your hats. Oh no, you want comedy? There's a scene shortly after where. Turl and Zod show up in their ship, and they convince the critics to disarm their ship by pretending to be from the Food Network and Oprah Winfrey. The fuck? And they say that they need to borrow sugar, so the critics pour sugar in their laser cannons to shoot over, which disables them as weapons. That is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. I think I have cancer. I think that gave me fucking prostate cancer. I need a blue ribbon and a finger up my ass because I got prostate cancer now. Thank you. Thank you, Channel Awesome. You gave me prostate cancer. And so Turl and Zod take Felis captive and then kill him, but he comes back to life on the Nostalgia Critic ship because it turns out he's a lich and can't die. What? See, I get it. See, the I have the running gag on Phalus's show where he gets killed in every episode. So Doug Walker's like, I'll give a reason. Jokes are funnier when you try to make a realistic explanation for them, right? I'm pretty sure he doesn't know what a lich is. It worked for South Park. South Park gave a reason for Kenny. <laughs> Haven't they given and, like and, two and even even if he was, why would he just return on the Nostalgia Critics ship? Unless he's got, like, his fucking phylactery there. Fucking Doug Walker don't know what a phylactery is. Oh, yeah. And, and as for Kenny, you know, the, the the latest reason was supposed to be the reason. That he's, it was like uh, his parents made a pact with Cthulhu. <laughs> so every time he dies, he gets reborn. Uh-huh. But... But I guess so Doug Walker's like, well, I'll work for South Park. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it with Phalus. But I won't make it a funny reason. I'll just make it fan fiction. I'm Doug Walker. I really like to repeat jokes. I was frozen today. I'm a good writer. I'm well, a good this, writer. This starts a running thing where every single scene Phalus appears and something will kill him and he'll just immediately come back. 
Like, like he's he's commanding the ship, and a safe just falls on him from nowhere, for no reason. It worked in Excel Saga. It worked for me too. Isn't that right, Chris Chan? I too enjoy ripping off Excel Saga without understanding what the joke was. It's you know what you know. Congratulations, Doug Walker. You officially have something actually factually concretely in common with Christian Weston Chandler. He's not that sweet critic that you used to know. He's now much, much saltier now. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, that, that's flat out, bar none. It's a sick... now, now, we, now we just need Doug Walker to drink some Fanta. With his cum in it. <laughs> <laughs> he could probably sell that to his fans. Yeah, really. Probably, yeah. They'd buy it. They bought this. They'd drink it. They, yeah, they would drink it. You know there's a, there's fans of his out there that would totally drink it. Oh, God, Doug. Oh, I love the salted twang. Oh, Doug, of course, you're so perfect. Of course, even your cum tastes good. Oh. Yeah. So, fucking... Someone, someone hit up fucking Channel Awesome. We've got a great new business model for them. <laughs> Isn't that pretty much what they've already been doing? It'll replace all of that <laughs> lost ad revenue. <laughs> now they won't have to beg for any more money. Oh, they, they still will. They just won't need it as much. They won't have to dip into the donation drive and quote unquote lose the money. You know, I kind of wonder if they actually did that. How many fans of the Nostalgia Critic or the other guys, if they offered theirs to, would uh, hope that they'd get pregnant by drinking it? <laughs> Worked in my Mpreg fan fiction. Because <laughs> yeah. that's how that works, right? All right, Andrew, drop the rest on us. All right, so I'm trying to, so Nostalgia Crick dresses up in Judge Dread armor. Oh, and, fuck! And gets teleported around fighting the uh, like uh, Turl and Zod's minions. Mm. And uh, I, I'm not even sure where half the fight takes place because he gets beamed to like this grassy field, but they're out in space by the moons of Jupiter, so whatever. <laughs> it's like Power Rangers. It all just magically end up in a field. It takes place in a blood hole. But yeah, they keep sending him stuff that um, Yasuo Otaku invented as Ed. Like, like he gets power gauntlets and uh, a gun and stuff like that. You know, maybe this makes me a nerd, but uh, I think it's funny... I uh, could have given a shit about this this bitch before when she was just insulting us. I just thought it was kind of amusing. But now that she's, like, bastardized Ed from Cowboy Bebop, now I have an actual personal grievance with her. It was fine when you were talking shit about me. I, I could give two shits. But to, to just shit on one of the great television shows of all time, no. You go straight but Cody, down. it doesn't matter that much. After all, Cowboy Bebop is so overrated. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. Oh, oh, really? Why does it have to get worse? So, should I give it away now? Oh, give it away. Oh, no, don't spoil the boldly <laughs> flee. I was going to watch it. Oh, no, I'm just going <laughs> to get ahead of myself here. Like, the Nostalgia Critic ship's main weapons are red shells from Mario Kart. Fuck you! Oh, my God. This is just... Uh, and this, are, is this just devolved into robot chicken at this point? And in the end, when they... Fire need, reference cannon! At the end, when they need to destroy the Death Star, they find their weapons aren't powerful what? enough. What? For the love of God! Yeah, the Death Star is in this. 
Anyway, they need to destroy the Death Star, so they have Ed invent the blue shell. Oh my fucking god. And And then my favorite video game character comes in and is super badass and fires a beam from my favorite anime show. No, he does a special attack from my favorite fighting game. And then uh, the villains from my favorite movies and 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 stuff they they do stuff. And then the the then my favorite video game character and him and me are like let's get them and fuck me in the neck. Oh, f- <laughs> fuck this gayer. So so there's this big fight with a nostalgia critic running around accomplishing nothing. And then Turl and Zod teleport, send him snob on board their ship, and escape. So the confrontation's over, nothing really happened. <clears throat> and, um, and so Cinema Snob is brought before Emperor Palpatine, who persuades uh, Snob into joining him by saying that he should be a director and not a critic. <clears throat> I saw that coming, but... And then he becomes Darth Vader, right? Yeah, yeah, they have this scene that's ripped off, just... Actually, two scenes that are ripped off verbatim, pretty much, from Revenge of the Sith. They Why have... would you rip off that movie? I know, right? It's <laughs> Just pick one of the better Star Wars. But nope, they have the, um... Well, this... of course, you gotta do the no joke, right? I'm, I'm assuming they do the no... Well, first, they ripped off the scene where you know, Palpatine and Anakin are talking about the dark side being the road to power or something, you know? Many powers one would consider unnatural. They rip off oh, that. Yeah, oh yeah, like, you gotta like the the Jedi and the Sith are alike in almost every way. Yeah, that they rip that off, and then some guy I I don't know who he is, but he spent the whole movie just impersonating Obi Wan, and he shows up and fights Palpatine. And it's just like that fight in Revenge of the Sith. You know, he gets lightning shot at him but reflects it back, and Snob has to decide who he'll help. And so Obi-Wan dies, and um, Palpatine makes him wear the Darth Vader mask because it's a reference. This is just... What is the... God's name? Like, there's this cringe-worthy scene. All of them are, but Palpatine makes him wear the mask, and Cinema Snob asks why, and he, he says, you know, like... Do, do you just want someone ugly as ugly as you around now that you're all burned from the lightning or something like that? Like that's the best rationale they offer. <laughs> and then he shouts no out of nowhere and says, I thought it would be dramatic. Of course he's got to do the no reference because we're dealing with hacks here who's just, who's just fucking trying to outdo Seth MacFarlane in fucking hacky references. <laughs> and he just, The fucking Doug Walker watched an episode of Robot Chicken, rolled up his sleeves and said, game on. If, if I want to see someone do a no, I'll watch the fucking United States of No by Red Letter Media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just fucking stupid. Yeah, that was actually funny. So, back on the... Nostalgia. And timely. Because <laughs> they made it directly after the fucking movie came out. On the Nostalgia Critics ship, CR and Yasuo Otaku make a machine that'll let film brain go into Spoonie's subconscious. No. Oh. Which is represented as, um... Well, f- <clears throat> okay, first of all, they, they rip off that part from the Matrix where they bring up the rows of guns. Except <sighs> it's the doors from Mario 2. Oh, my, oh God. my God! 
stop referencing shit. So Film Brain goes into the, these doors, well, dressed as Neo, by the way. Of course. Ugh. And <clears throat> this is actually the closest the movie gets to being funny because it's showing uh, Spoonie's subconscious impression of the people he works with. It's like Doug Walker shows up and he... Actually, let me find the quote, because I'm sure I put it in the chat somewhere, but he, he said, like, I'm not even a real critic. I just shout at things that make me angry. <laughs> <laughs> well, many a true word spoken in jest, eh? <laughs> <laughs> And then they ruin it by immediately, like, having a couple other caricatures appear, and you know, everyone on the ship is like, oh, I don't sound like that. You know, of tra- course. Gotta drag out the joke. Well, if it was funny once, it's funny 20 more times. That's a popular reference. Let's bring it up 20 times more. And then they... All this stuff with Spoonie Subconscious just reveals that, you know, because he has Monty's soul in him, they find out that Monty has merged with the plot hole. So they need to go to the plot hole to get Monty back. Oh. And um, also at some point in here, Mecha... Just listen to At some point, um, Mechakara turns Todd into a Borg also, but he has Robocop armor. Oh my god, enough. I can't... Even listening to this is hard. I don't know how you watched it. Enough fucking references. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Someone needs to get cancer over this. (laughs) Justice demands it. Last Angry Geek, that's the guy who played Obi-Wan. Who the fuck? I don't know. Never heard of him. That's what the wiki says. By the way, what's Angry Joe doing in this movie? Being annoying. No, he, he has no role in the story, but he's just hanging around with the critic the whole time, and I think his role on the ship is that he mans the weapons, of course. Oh, of course. I don't. He, his appearance is actually kept to a minimum, which I'm thankful for. <laughs> Keep firing, assholes! <laughs> um... Let me see. I, I need to check the wiki to remember what happened next, because it's just... It's a mess. You know, it, it, would have, it would have actually been kind of amazing if the nostalgia critic was like, How many assholes are there? <laughs> I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. But that would require him to make fun of his pathetic cohorts, and of course we can't have that. I'm surprised they didn't rip off Spaceballs. Maybe that would have been a little too on the nose. <laughs> Yeah, right. This this is the one where they show restraint. <coughs> so the the nostalgia critic ship goes to attack um, Turl and Zod at the plot hole, and Palpatine has a Death Star that he's been building because of why not? It, I guess he's going to use it to destroy all the critics somehow. But Joe and Mars Girl go on to uh, Turl's ship and start taking out all the guards so that they can lower the weapons. And you're going to hate this, but Joe is dressed as Solid Snake the whole time. Because if we got to reference more shit. Snake? <clears throat> Don't tell me they do that bit. No, but they do have him hide in a box to escape the guards. Oh, fuck. And they have this whole thing where the guards stare at it, and they're like, did we always have a giant box here? Because, you know, we're being... We're, like, take that Metal Gear Solid, we're... We're, we we see we we we're applying different logic because we're smart and 
we're like every other fucking annoying let's player that's like, oh, yeah, no, that would totally happen. I'm observant and smart. Our, our show is so much more realistic. <laughs> I'm Dark Side Phil, huh? And, um, like, one of Zod's friends shows up during this, and they have a big musical number where the lyrics are about how this is a distraction while Angry Joe and Mars Girl are sneaking around killing everybody, and then the nostalgia critic, uh, critic flies out of his house in a car and has a dogfight with Turl. And he's almost defeated, but he's saved by the Gort robot from the day the Earth's, Earth stood still. Jesus Christ! Who was played by the angry video game nerd, by the way. Ah. Oh. I can't, this is, is anything in this not a reference? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> the title, maybe? <laughs> no, the title is to Bo- is a reference to Star Trek. Yep. Oh, f- oh fuck, yeah, Triboli going, oh my god, you fuckers. Physically fucking hurts. <clears throat> and so, so, so the final fight starts with Luke fighting um, Darth Snob. And, uh, me- <clears throat> meanwhile, the nostalgia critic gets sucked into the plot hole, and he wakes up in his living room and meets Doug Walker. Doug Walker explains that he is the writer of the movie, and that the nostalgia critic is a character he created. Wow. <sighs> and he starts talking about how, when he started, he didn't expect the Nostalgia Critic to develop as a character, but now he's evolved and become something more than he was originally meant to be. And he offers to take the Nostalgia Critic outside into reality so he can be real and not fictional. What character? I don't know. Doug Walker has it in his head that he says, like, he he uh, was inspired by Daffy Duck to, um, you know, the way he portrays Nostalgia Critic. He has it in his head that Nostalgia Critic is basically like Daffy Duck. He, he, he's not. He's just you yelling. <laughs> but yeah, if you're wondering what character, that is the pretense, I guess. So do he's you... Knock off Daffy, Daffy Duck. Oh, God. So the climax comes down to, uh, first, the nostalgia critic and Duck Walker trying to figure out what to do to stop the plot hole. Um, second... Maybe be a better writer. <laughs> second, That's usually what helps deal with plot holes. Luke and uh. the cinema snob fighting with lightsabers in a direct ripoff of, you know, the final battle from Return of the Jedi. And uh. third, Yasuo Otaku trying to build the blue shell to destroy the death ball, or death bomb, whatever they call it. Oh, God. So, since they need to be a better writer to fix the plot, or I guess they're fucked. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, oh, yeah, and Mechakara... Oh, I, I completely forgot. They fought Mechakara earlier, and Obscurus Luba promised to date Todd in the Shadows, which broke the machine control over him, and he defeated Mechakara. Oh, but, wow. But Mechakara escaped, and now he's sh- he shows up on Turl and Zod's ship and tries to kill them, and causes the ship to crash into the Death Star. Why did he try to kill them? Has, he plays by his own rules. Like, 
they got Mechakura to join their scheme by promising promising him something, but it turns out that they were lying, so that's why. And he overheard their betrayal because they accidentally left their comm link open. Oh, God. This just gets dumber and more convoluted and pointlessly fucking chaotic. Yeah, so Mechakara try, tries to kill them, but he doesn't succeed. But then they get hit with a blue shell, so I guess then they die. Um, and how much you want to bet when when they're talking about they're going to invent the blue shell, they're all these nerds? Because when, when Mario Kart came out, the, the one for the Wii, I think, the blue shell became this big thing. Everyone was making jokes about how horrible and powerful it is and how much it just fucks you over. And how much you want to bet when they're talking about inventing the blue shell, there were nerds going, Oh! Your audience. Or, no, he was probably, <laughs> that's right, the blue shell. <laughs> that's the thing I saw once. Oh, yeah, no, actually, the blue shell doesn't kill them, because earlier, you know, in the fight with Todd in the Shadows and Mechakara, um, Ed had invented a thermal detonator, which someone threw at Mechakara, and he ate it. And so, after they get hit with the blue shell, Sad Panda accidentally presses the detonator, and that kills Mechakara. Oh. You sure? I, I, I want to make a joke about it. you sure he didn't fucking die, because he heard Sand Panda, Sad Panda sing, and he just initiated self-destruct <laughs> sequence to make it end. <laughs> Hello, I'm a nostalgia critic. Fuck this shit. Beep, 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 boom. So... So is that what happens in Robot Hell to the really terrible robots? <laughs> hello, hello, welcome to Robot Hell. Hello, hello, you are now burn in hell. Hello. But, but yeah, um, Palpatine and <clears throat> Turl and Zod and Mechacar are all defeated. But the Nostalgia Critic ship is stuck near the plot hole because it took so much damage. And so, in in reality, the Nostalgia Critic, like, he, he gets the angry video game nerd to help him send a signal to the characters in the movie telling them that they need to make the plot hole bigger. So they... please, t- please tell me that in order to do this, two gigantic hands come out of nowhere and stretch... <laughs> <laughs> that would have actually been funny, Suno. Fuck. Instead, everyone starts... Like, the one time you need to do a reference, like, <laughs> goddammit, Doug Walker, you had one job! <laughs> Fuck. Goatsy is too funny for this movie. Yeah. And less disgusting. <laughs> so everyone starts complaining about things in movies and games and stuff that bother them. And these complaints make the plot hole bigger until it swallows the universe. That sounds like it works. <clears throat> and so the the nostalgia critic, for some reason, becomes one with the plot hole in order for this to work. And so he's, like, erased from existence. Oh my god, he's fucking Inferno Cop. He's Madoka. <laughs> And then everything returns to normal. Everyone's on Earth. And, well, everyone but Spoonie. 
But then Santa Christ shows up with Spoonie. Oh, fuck you. Go on. Before I fucking kill myself, let's get this shit over with. And... Do they, do they play the song? No, but they do reference the I Believe in Santa Christ thing from Kikassia. So he, he shows up and gives them Spoonie. And then Dr. Insano appears. And explains that because the plot hole has encompassed the universe, now they live in a world where there's no logic. And thus... It's the world of perfect freedom! And thus they don't have to resolve the plot, basically, because nothing makes sense. And Ma- they don't get Mati back. I don't know what happened to him, like maybe his soul is still inside Spoonie, but... He, he doesn't actually appear in the ending. The whole conflict of trying to get his soul from the plot hole was for nothing, because they don't. So, literally, the ending is, we don't have to resolve this because it doesn't make sense. Yes. Uh, here, Charles Awesome and Doug Walker, I hope you can see this, because I'm doing it as hard as I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> With both hands. Oh, no, Holy wait. shit. There's one more scene where everyone goes to a party at Ask That Guy's house. <sighs> and that's the ending. And the best part is that Chipotle Flea was also supposed to be like the quote-unquote swan song for the character of the Nostalgia Critic, uh, which is because after that demo reel happened. But of course, since that tanked, the Nostalgia Duck Walker brought him back. Whoops! So, so in a sense, this like three-hour movie eulogy for the nostalgia critic character ended up being completely pointless. How appropriate! Ugh. Sorry, Doug you Walker. Can... The people weren't coming for your brilliant writing; they were coming to be pandered to by your stupid character. Okay, you, dance, you... monkey, dance. <laughs> you should go to this link and look at the cast list and see who appears as what characters, because it has this list of all the ripoffs, basically. Like, Spoon or Linkara appears as Jean-Luc Picard. Nostalgia chick is Ursa. Linkara is Jean-Luc Picard. Fuck you, fuck fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Bradikin. Oh yeah, Obscure Slupa. Tetsuo? Obscure Slupa um, appears as Ripley briefly. From Wait a second, Mars, the mayor, please tell me that this is not the mayor I'm <laughs> thinking of. Yeah, it's the major. From Fuck. Ghost in the Shell. During the Angry Joe Solid Snake sequence. You motherfuckers. She can even turn invisible. I, I neglected to mention that. Oh god, is she, is she in the fucking... The practically no. bottomless... No, no, fortunately... Thank God. Wait, then what did she do for pants? I don't remember. I wasn't... I, I was kind of zoned out by that point in the movie. <laughs> there was so much stupid. Good God. Oh, Sad Panda was Doctor Who. Or the Doctor, I'm sorry. Don't kill me, crazy Tumblr kids. Fuck, fuck all y'all. Oh, and uh, since you were asking what it looked like, this is what it looked like. Also, check out Joe's badass solid snake outfit as they walk around this so obviously in space area. <laughs> yeah, that is what 
That is what <laughs> Turl and Zod's ship looked like inside. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a fucking spaceship, not the upstairs of somebody's house. <laughs> <laughs> It has better spaceship backdrops than that fucking shit. <laughs> Linkar's ship also appears briefly in the movie, so they they could have reused the CGI, but I don't know. <sighs> they, sh- they should have just borrowed all of Linkar's effects and it would have looked better. And look at his shitty costumes look nothing like this shit. Alright, I'll just... I'll just uh, put a big green headband on uh, Angry Joe and give him some black ops gear. That's solid snake, right? Ah, uh, God. <laughs> Honestly, I'm amazed that Linkara didn't appear in one of his Power Rangers costumes. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> that would have actually been funny, though. Completely with, completely with Fedora. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> I gotta get this on my screen. I can't stop laughing at it. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, look, Luke. Luke Mockery was in this, so you know. And, and this is what completely, completely like. shitting on his family name. For those who don't know, Luke Mockery on the site who does a completely underwhelming and unimpressive, uh, but uh, movie review series, but it has kind of a unique concept. Um, he is the son of Colin Mockery. As in that Colin Mockery, as in whose line is it anyway, the really funny bald guy. What? He's Colin Mock... No. Yeah, he's Colin Mockery's son. I thought that was just a joke. Nope. Oh my. He inherited zero of his father's humor. Which is saying something, because Colin Mockery is an immensely funny man, so I don't know how this guy didn't get a drop of that, but he didn't get a drop of that. Maybe he so needs much to go. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. Maybe he needs to go bald first. <laughs> yeah, that, that he really is Colin Mockery's son. Oh yeah. Wow. That picture. Yeah, oh, is that, that oh the hourglass again? No, those are the science gauntlets that Yasuo Taku oh. invented. Oh my god. Oh, but doesn't it doesn't it look like the fucking power glove yet again? Oh, Jesus. Also, also right. that, fa- that face. Yeah, that's the, that's fucking horror. All you have to do is like uh, go crazy with the contrast, and that's some creepy pasta shit right there. Yeah, really? Oh my god, that's you fucking retard. That's not even close to Ed. You fucking act like you know shit about anything, but then you fucking fail to understand one of the most, like, probably the most basic and easy to understand character from Cowboy Fucking Bebop, and yet you're a professional fucking anime critic. You fucking clod. Oh my professional. That's isn't that fucking depressing. Isn't that fucking depressing? That bitch got to fucking talk to Shinichiro Watanabe. I feel like the poor man needed to take a shower after being within five feet of that fucking hack. Look at that shit. Look at that fucking shit. Apparently, Ed is a deranged uh, fucking serial killer with Down syndrome in her eyes. Well, she looks like a she looks like Ed Gein after digging up the perfect pair of breasts. You know, I bet during the interview she didn't go. Uh, uh, you know, I've seen your show, and honestly, I think it's kind of overrated and not as great as everyone says. Because, <laughs> you know, some of your episodes are really forgettable. 
It's like I, I prefer real art like Showbits. <laughs> I think if I remember correctly, again, I don't really watch her, but I hear secondhand shit. If I think she she highlighted um, "Speak Like a Child" as one of the forgettable episodes. No, uh, not "Speak Like a Child." Uh, "Boogie Woogie Feng Shui" as one of the forgettable episodes. No, so if she said "Speak Like a Child," I, I would have fucking remembered that one and fucking I'd be harassing her. One does not speak ill of "Speak Like a Child," but yeah, no, this is this is some this is a fucking. <laughs> Just remember this whenever she tries to opine about a show. Like, this is how she perceives things. This is her understanding and comprehension of simple characters. This this should really put some things into light. Like, what, why she thinks someone needs to be blamed for the existence of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. But the first Full Metal Alchemist was Dandy. Oh, totally. Oh, what a fucking clod. What a bunch of fucking clods. It's an army of clods. Ugh. I feel like someone needs to get hurt for this. <sighs> My God, I can't. I'm, I'm referenced out. I can't take any more references. I, I feel physical pain. I feel like I'm, I. It's almost like you need to watch an episode of Family Guy to wash this shit out. I need like something with about only two thirds of the references as that has, and then I can maybe move on to something that only has like one third, and then finally move on to real entertainment. Kind of weird. It's like like um, rehab, you know, the detox process oh jesus fucking christ i gotta get that off my screen a stupid retard face jesu otaku's making because she's fucking ugh you, sh- you should have seen the the other one in Tribaldly flea when she first appears as a character it's like a full frontal shot of that's pretty much like the ultimate face of autism right there oh god yeah yeah you should have seen it in motion uh, i don't i don't want to I don't want to. I don't want these memories. <laughs> <laughs> it's defiling my mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, Andrew, I feel she, so bad. She became an anime character, but not the one she thought she was. <laughs> Andrew, I feel for you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I ever had the idea to do this. Oh, my God. <sighs> but at least now we can finally put this whole concept... To rest. No more that guy with the glasses. Uh, uh, m- maybe this will. special, that is. Well, here's the thing. Apparently, that was the last uh, big anniversary special because it's apparently too expensive to fly anyone, everyone in. And people keep getting hurt. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're demanding physical activity out of these people. Yeah, so, so now it's just like a series of uh, vignettes or whatever, like short little thingies. And, of course, the fifth anniversary special has, amongst other things, uh, Diamanda Hagendas in it. There's a fifth one? Yeah, there's a fifth one. But it's not a big... They're not doing big movies anymore, quote-unquote movies. <laughs> if you loosen the definition of film... To reference? <laughs> Just three and a half hours of references. And good. not even good ones. Good fucking Christ. Ugh. <sighs> uh. I'm, I am, I hate everything right now. No, you know, I'm pretty sure if Jesu Otaku ever heard us complaining about this, she'd, she'd probably, like, be confused at us getting offended that the Major was also defiled. So, what are you so upset about? Like, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex was totally overrated. Because, <laughs> you know, like, those episodes that were, like, totally forgettable. <laughs> oh, 
fucking hell. And at one point, like, those steel bars, they looked like a cross that offended me. <laughs> it's it's a minor miracle they didn't also rip off the Major from Hell's Inc. Just use his speech in full. Ah, oh. Gentlemen, I love rip-offs. You know I love it, references. Yeah, you know, I know you every know what form it, of yeah, reference like, that can occur upon this internet. You know why they didn't, though? Because none of them actually watch anime. Well, maybe three of them. Yeah. And even then, only in the loosest possible sense. But yeah, like... Yeah. And even the ones that do, like, do you really think, like, any of them would really watch something like Helsing Ultimate, <laughs> except to scoff at it? <laughs> no, you, you know, if anything, if they should have referenced anything, they should have referenced the fucking Nazi, uh, Nazi vampires from Helsing Ultimate eating a baby. <laughs> Which eating is the the nostalgia the <laughs> <laughs> uh, My friends, it has often been said that I like references. Friends, I like references. No, friends, I love references. I love shout-outs. I love pandering. I love mentions. I love... Cameos. I love cameos, thank you. I, I love callbacks. I love homages. I love parodies and I love satires. References across internet reviews, in movies, in television shows, in cartoons, in comics, in comic strips, in the web comics, in the fan fiction. I love every act of reference that can occur upon this earth. I love bringing up shit you've seen before. My heart leaps with joy whenever someone mentions a character that I'm familiar with. And there is nothing like someone telling me a joke I've already heard before, but in a new context. And the feeling that comes when someone tells the same joke 20 times is such an exquisite feeling. Like when the internet reviewers dress up in costumes like a character from a movie they reviewed. It moves me deep within my heart to watch an internet reviewer reenact a character's line they found goofy. The sight of a nerd in a costume that makes them look nothing like the character that they reference is an irresistible pleasure. And there is nothing more arousing than the sounds made by a very poor impression of such character. When a band of pitiful internet reviewers tries to act like they're a character from an animated series only to have their physical flaws highlighted like never before, I'm in ecstasy. I love it when my internet reviewers bring up things that I've seen before without an actual joke or parody, but just simply bringing it up in order to make me laugh and clap my hands at its mere mention. I love to be pandered to when they bring up things that I'm familiar with. Oh, the humiliation as these people walk around in the poorest of the poor costumes while attempting to pretend that they are badass. Gentlemen, all I ask for is references. References so pandery as to make hell itself tremble. 
Gentlemen, I ask you, as fellow internet aficionados, what is it that you really want? Do you wish for further references as I do? Do you wish for a merciless onslaught of pandering? A slew of references whose fury is built with iron and lightning and fire? Do you ask for references to sweep in like a tempest, leaving not even ravens to scavenge this pandered earth? Anspielungen, Anspielungen, Anspielungen. <laughs> Very well. Then Anspielungen is what you shall have. We are a clenched fist, ready to pull, grab a microphone and speak already told jokes into it with all our might. But after enduring over three or four years of wallowing and pandering, for us, a simple ordinary slew of references will no longer be sufficient. We need a massive shitload of references. A shitload of references beyond any other that man's history has ever known. We are but a few internet nerds. The remnants of a defeated army of people with actual taste. Numbering less than three strong. However, I believe that each of you old souls is worth a thousand of their... Overweight or underweight or un or just in terrible shape, whatever the hell they are, sickly soft bastards. We represent a force that could easily criticize an army of these little shitheads. It is time for them to awake. The ones who sent us screaming into this podcast and who now lie... Slothily playing video games and watching TV shows and not taking care of themselves. Let's drag them out of their bed by the hair and remind them of what we are. We will remind them of what it feels like to live in a world of fucking taste. We will remind them of the sound of our cheap sneakers and the sound they make against their throats. We will remind them that there are more things between heaven and hell that they are dreamt of in their terrible hack writing. Our Kampf group of 1,000, not 1,000 because it's just three of us, <laughs> jackasses on a podcast is going to burn this bullshit to ash. Yes, my friend. Soon, the internet's charred remains will illuminate the proverbial night sky. I have brought you here, just as we promised we would with this podcast, back to our favorite battlefield, back to our beloved pandery bullshit. At last, the sea lion has crossed the ocean and is heading up the hill. Attention, fans of the other side. This is a message from your host. Friends... Let's bring them taste, quality, and fucking standards. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So from all of us here at the other side, I'm Cody Byer. I'm Max Vader. I'm Andrew Ergs. Saying, gentlemen, I love... It has often been said that I like abortions. (laughs) (laughs) 